Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our title for today is A New Leadership Scorecard for Success. A New Leadership Scorecard for Success. And I want to talk about seven ways to measure success and really orient it around seven key questions. I've been thinking about this for quite some time, and I've been asked by a number of you uh, over the months, uh, actually perhaps years, on what is a new leadership scorecard for success? What might that look like? So now again, none of these seven measurements I'm going to offer to you are about numbers. And yet measuring biblical impact with numbers is biblical. I mean, we have a whole book in the Bible called Numbers. We see the book of Acts using numbers to describe the impact of the gospel, 3,000 being baptized, and then 5,000 believers in Acts 4, and crowds coming to faith. And so, yes, movements and denominations uh, measure numbers, numbers in the church and baptisms and church plants and multi-sites, etc. The problem is that when all we, when we're only about numbers and it becomes all that we measure, uh, it can easily become uh, demonic and destructive. And we see that in David in his counting of the fighting men in First Chronicles 21, and uh, where he recognizes it, that uh, he'd, he'd sinned greatly by doing this and he was looking for power and security in the wrong places and ended up becoming idolatry. And so our culture, Western culture in particular, is very much concerned post-Enlightenment about numbers, especially the last 50-plus years in the church. Uh, we want bigger bank accounts and inf- bigger influence and bigger platform, bigger homes, bigger budgets, bigger staffs, bigger churches. And the logic is simple. If we're getting bigger, we're we're doing well. We're succeeding. If we're not getting bigger, we're failing. But the issue of more numbers is always the goal. And so the church has so taken on this, especially in the last 50 years, uh, that uh, it's become a great problem, especially uh, now with covid striking the church around the world has really shaken up that scorecard for success. And I just want to say to you that that's a good thing, I believe. So uh, now let's just describe and define success once again, that success is first and foremost doing what God calls us to do and doing it his way and according to his timetable. So then the question is, okay, Pete, that's a great general definition, uh, but how do I measure success very specifically beyond the broad definition you just gave? So uh, now let me just make a note here before I dive into these seven measurements. Uh, The broad biblical background for what I'm going to share today on a new leadership scorecard for success is actually found in that Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book that was released March 31st, a little over three months ago. And I talk about success in a variety of different places in the book, um, but it's really more of a broad framework biblically that I believe is critically important as we get into defining success. So uh, again, you may not be the place you want to read the whole book. Fine. Uh, I would encourage you to go to our website, uh, www.emotionallyhealthy.org slash discipleship. And you can see there a number of uh, you know free videos uh, where I introduce each chapter, a, a free discussion guide, a lot of background material that'll help to get you started. Again, emotionallyhealthy.org slash discipleship. Go check that out. Uh, it's all free. I think it'll help you at least begin to get a broad framework. That being said, let's dive into now uh, seven ways to measure uh, success. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you like we're sitting at a table and you're across from me. We've got a cup of coffee or tea if you're a tea drinker. Uh, and we're just 
talking about, you say, Pete, you know, how can I measure success uh, in this current environment and culture? So I want you to think, I'm going to give you seven questions, and I want you to imagine a spectrum uh, on a scale of one to five. In other words, one being the lowest, five being the highest, that you're doing great, one being I'm doing terrible in these. Uh, and I'm going to orient them around seven statements. Uh, and um, so I'll, I'll just, let me just mention all seven right off the bat, and then we'll take one by one in the rest of the podcast. Number one, a new leadership scorecard for success. One is I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus. I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus, embracing my God-given limits. So that's kind of in parentheses. I'm, I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus, embracing my God-given limits, number one. Number two, I'm actively listening to Jesus as I lead. Number three, I'm giving my best time and energy to a healthy marriage or singleness before leading others. Number four, I'm addressing conflict and tensions clearly and directly. Number five, I'm, I'm investing in a few intentional discipling relationships. Number six, I'm working a personal growth and development plan. Number seven, I'm leading from who I am, not pretending to be someone I am not. Again, I want you to be thinking about these on a scale of one to five, more of a spectrum than a pass-fail, because we're all on the journey together. So let's take them one by one. Uh, number one is that we think about a, a new leadership's core card for success. So the first question I ask myself is, okay, you know, I'm living healthy rhythms of, or am I living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus? Uh, and in parentheses here, embracing my my God-given limits. So in other words, this comes out of, of course, that uh, I, I can only give what's inside of me. I, I can't give what I don't have. And so being with Jesus, and out of that being with myself and others, must come before doing that my life is about being with Jesus, our loving union with Jesus, abiding in Jesus, uh, remembering him all through the day. I'm praying always. My life is John 15. It's being with Jesus. It's abiding in him. And so uh, that means that I'm, uh, I'm not living this 24-7 hectic rhythm. I'm not getting caught up in all the anxiety of the culture around me. The, the I'm always on, I'm, but I've got actually a rhythm. The key word there is, of course, rhythms. And I've got some time, I got time for reflection. Uh, of course, Sabbath um, on a weekly basis. I, I've got, I'm listening to my feelings. Uh, I'm bringing that before God. I'm, I'm discerning. And so I'm monitoring, I'm monitoring myself each day of, of how are my rhythms. Now, again, the, the world doesn't have any. And so I, as a follower of Jesus, I want to have some rhythms each day. Uh, and then I'm looking at my rhythms each week, which of course are Sabbath. And that's a starting point for rhythms. And then, of course, rhythms in my quarters or every month or quarter, like we're right now in summer here in the United States. And then I'm, I'm watching for rhythms in my year, uh, as well as rhythms in my seasons of decades as well. And so I'm constantly making adjustments as I need it. I've got to be making adjustments, and I do it all the time. Uh, I'm doing it today. I'm, I'm, I'm monitoring my having a healthy rhythm of being with Jesus, out of which I'm doing this podcast right now. So I'm watching myself very closely. And so I, I'm watching for uh, the sign posts for me that um, at my rhythms are out of whack. Like I can't shake the pressure. I've got too much to do in too little time, which means I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just overloaded. Or uh, I've got this stress in my body I've, I, and uh, my teeth are grinding or my I find myself with clenched hands or sweaty palms or neck tightness. In my case, a, a, a knot in my stomach or foot tapping. Or I'm not sleeping well. And my body's often way ahead of my mind 
that I'm just, I'm out of whack. I'm, I'm doing too much. My rhythms are off. Uh, or if I find myself fearful uh, about the future, rushing is a really big thing for me of when I find myself rushing, I'm in a bad place and, uh, or distracted a lot or firing off quick opinions or saying things I shouldn't be saying, you know, or just talking too much. And so I, I, I you know, this first uh, scorecard is, you know, for success, number one is I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus. But I, I kind of got in parentheses here, not I'm embracing my God-given limits because rhythms are all about limits. And it's a very important word. It's a life-changing word, limit. Uh, For most of you, many of whom are like me, you've got lots of visions and dreams and ideas, uh, but limits ground to me in my humanity that I'm not God. Uh, I have enormous limits physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, I've got limits of time. I've got limits of my marital status. I've got all kinds of limits. They're coming in every direction, my gifts and my knowledge. And so I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus, but I'm embracing the fact that I've got limits, God-given limits. That's number one. When that's in a good place, where are you on a scale of one to five? When I feel like I'm in a good place, I'm succeeding. Because uh, I know I'm going to be bearing fruit. You will be bearing fruit if you're abiding in him. You can rest assured of that. Second uh, measurement of am I succeeding is I'm actively listening to Jesus as I lead. I'm actively listening to Jesus as I lead. So again, on a scale of one to five, it's very easy. If you've got leadership gifts, you've got uh, you've got a lot of experience. You've been perhaps a Christian for a long time. It's just easy to go on autopilot and just be fueled by oh, this seems like a good idea or this makes sense. Uh, but this issue of actively listening to Jesus as I lead, I want, I, want, I want to nuance this a little bit for you. It means my whole life is I follow the person, the living person of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit lives within me to enable me to follow him and to empower me to follow him. And that means every day, in a sense, all day, I'm, I'm listening. I'm, uh, oh, Jesus, what are you saying to me? Uh, where are you going? Uh, because I want to go in that direction. And so my life is one of surrender. I'm losing my life so I might find it. That was Jesus, you know, his great words to the disciples after telling them about the crucifixion. He uh, says, whoever would follow, be my disciple must uh, deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. They must die. That is surrender. And whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will find it. And so this word losing your life, to me, the, the word I like the best is surrender. My life is one of surrendering my will to his. Uh, that's the key word, surrender. So because I can't, uh, if I'm listening, listening and obeying are closely related in the original language. If I'm listening, I'm obeying, but I'm listening. And um, therefore, I, there's a level of detachment. I have with the world around me. I'm, I've lost my life, so I might follow him. And I love, you know, Meister Eckhart's word of detachment. It's a very nice word he used. Again, it's, it's got, you know, needs to be worked on for 21st century, but I did some podcasts on it. You might want to check it out. But for him, and he wrote this in the 13th century, you can't follow Jesus without being detached. Uh, and uh, now you have to be emptied emptied so that Jesus might be birthed in and through you. It's a, it's a, it's a loving detachment. I'm, so I can have loving union with God, which is my goal, is to be with him. The problem with most of us, and especially when we find ourselves in leadership with influence, is uh, we, we want, and I know I want the world to unfold a certain way. I, I don't want problems and obstacles. And uh, 
and I resist anything that I perceive as negative and I cling to what I'm enjoying and loving. But you see, if you're clinging or resisting uh, any one thing, it, it, it's hard to listen because you got to get it. I, I got to have this and I, I don't I don't want certain things and I want certain things. But God's invitation is to surrender to him. We surrender everything to him. Uh, so I'm listening to Jesus and I'm, I'm open. I hold everything with an open hand uh you know, not my will, but your will. That's a, a really intense prayer to, to pray. I, I love Eckhart's quote, you know, great saying that to be empty of all created things is to be full of God. And to be full of created things is to be empty of God. In other words, for God to fill you, you've got to be empty. But if you're full of all your own stuff, it's hard for God to get in there. So for this, I need silence. I need solitude. I need rhythms. You know, be still and know that I am God uh, perhaps is the most important verse in the Psalms. Uh, someone said that a long time ago, and may be true. You know, Psalm forty six ten. Be still and know that I am God. There's a there's a knowing of God that can only come out of silence and solitude. And so, I, I need silence. I need solitude. I need scripture. And so, I, I I seek to immerse myself in scripture on a daily basis. Uh, first, Jesus said to Satan in the wilderness, "Humans do not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God." The, you know, God is speaking all the time, and uh, of course, He's speaking through scripture. And so I, I want to be, you know, soaking myself continually in, in Scripture. And, and I just, I need space. I just, I need space uh, to listen. Uh, and of course, this relates to the first measurement of success, which is uh, rhythms uh, in my life. Uh, so I can uh, be with Jesus and, of course, listen. All right, let's move on. So the third measurement, uh, perhaps a scorecard uh, for success is, I monitor, I'm giving my best time and energy to a healthy marriage or slash singleness before leading others. I'm giving my best time and energy uh, to a healthy marriage slash singleness before leading others. So in my following of Jesus, uh, I've made a vow to uh, to be married to Jerry almost 37 years ago. And that's core to my calling. My, my vocation is to follow Jesus um, called by him, for him, to him. Uh, and out of that vow, I've made a secondary vow, which is to Jesus, to, to live out this vow to Jesus as a married person, uh, to be a sign in wonder, to be my loudest gospel message, my, my gift to the world. Now, you may be single, either vocationally you've made a vow to be single, or perhaps you're circumstantially single uh, for whatever reason. But either case, uh, the, the third measurement for success to me is I, I'm giving my best time and energy before I lead other people to having a healthy marriage or singleness. And for that to happen, there has to be a number of consistent, little, often difficult choices one has to make uh, regularly. So for me, for example, I, I can easily, I'm just distractible. I'm super distractible. It's easy for me not to be present uh, to Jerry, uh, and but we're one flesh. Uh, and again, like a monastic, a monk makes a vow uh, for life and every decision, uh, a monk makes after making that solemn vow to be part of this community, to be a Benedictine or Franciscan or Dominican, uh, every decision is informed by that vow in the same way if you made a vow to be married or a vow to be single, or even if you, again, you are circumstantially single for the time being, every decision you make is impacted by that. Uh, so I have to ask myself uh, regularly, if not daily, you know, what would make this a great day for Jerry? And I ask her often. Uh, so that she knows she's loved and lovable. Uh, now, we have four daughters as well, two son-in-laws, three grandchildren. 
uh, and out of that sacrament of oneness has come this fruit. And so there's certain stewardship with that as well. And so I'm not talking about simply, you know, having a date night or having some goals. I'm talking about actually listening, uh, taking the time to weigh the impact of your marriage or singleness on the decisions you're taking, your overall life. In other words, slowing down, being thoughtful, being prayerful. Let me just give you a little example of this past week. Uh, uh, Jerry and I had a fight. Uh, we had a fight over books or disagreement. Uh, it happened really fast. You know, I we were uh, packing a car uh, to um, to go down uh, to New Jersey, and I was th- I'm always getting rid of books from my office. Uh, I regularly get rid of books because I have a certain number of shelves, and part of my own spiritual discipline is. When those shelves get filled, before I bring any more books into my office, I take some out so there's room. So I'm always kind of, in a sense, uh, you know, editing my office. So I had about 20 to 30 books that I just, I'm ready to get rid of. And there's a book shed in New Jersey I knew about. So I said, okay, so I just took the books. I didn't put them in a bag or a box. I just, I just carried them loosely and threw them in the back of the car, uh, these 20, 30 books. And we were in a rush, uh, uh, and it just triggered Jerry. Uh, and it triggered her because our car, of course, I was packing a lot of other stuff there. And, and Jerry likes order. And uh, our our lives were, in some ways, were, our, this movement was things were out of order. And she said, why don't you put these things in a box? And, of course, I snapped back. And then we were off to the races in a conflict. And so we got in the car, and it was quiet. And um, I just wanted to sulk, of course, and blame her and all this stuff. And I, I knew that, you know, we're, we're driving and, you know, I'm just like, Oh Lord, I don't want to ask forgiveness for snapping at her. And, uh, she could have been kinder and all that stuff's going through my head. Uh, but of course, you know, I, I, I did, I, I recognize I was a jerk. I was a jerk and, uh, ate humble pie and asked her for forgiveness. Uh, again, married 37 years. It happens. Uh, but that's part of giving my best time and energy to a healthy marriage uh, before leading other people. Uh, and God got me, you know, it's, it's embarrassing, but here I am, you know. And so that's what it meant. That's a scorecard for success. That's great. Uh, Lord, Lord have mercy. So, uh, okay, third scorecard. Now, fourth uh, measurement of a leadership scorecard for you to think about is this. On a scale of one to five, for me, it's I'm addressing conflicts and tensions clearly uh, and directly. I'm addressing conflicts and tensions clearly uh, and directly. Uh, and so w- what that means, I, now again, I, I'm, re- I'm not referring to, you know, every person that may have tension with me in the whole world uh, from social media, et cetera, or getting my validation from other people or groveling for forgiveness because you hate tension uh, which may be coming out of an unhealthy family of origin stuff. I'm talking about integrity that in your, especially your close relationships, your coworkers, your family, your friends, your uh, folks you're, you're, you're working with, not, not sweeping things under the rug, not avoiding, not suppressing, blaming, complaining, triangling. Uh, I'm talking about addressing uh, conflicts, doing the work necessary to address them and, and tensions uh, clearly and 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 in short order, not waiting uh, inappropriate times like six months or a year, or two years, uh, but actually uh, directly addressing it. And again, I think of boards, coworkers, people you're doing community with. 
Before I got in this journey of emotionally healthy discipleship, I think in 1996 when I started, prior to that, I stuffed almost everything. Uh, it was a huge shift to me to begin addressing conflicts. Uh, now, it's still a temptation, and I got to discern. I, I discern prudence, when's the best time and all that, but I'm, I'm pretty good at recognizing when it's just laziness, you know? I, I don't want to do the hard work. So I, I, this a couple of, a few weeks ago, I realized that I was, uh, I had tension uh, with a consultant that we were working with. And uh, I was frustrated, uh, some things I didn't appreciate or like, and but I was angry. And of course, like in anything, he was saying some right things, but he said a couple of things that rubbed me the wrong way. And uh, I, I was triggered. And so I just needed to do a ladder of integrity, which is one of the skills in the Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. And I did it with myself. Um, I, I spent some time on it, and then I bounced it off Jerry. Uh, and then did that ladder of integrity in my own journaling before the Lord three or four more times over really a two-week period. Now, initially, I was like, I don't need to do this. And, uh, you know, God whispered very clearly, yes, you do, uh, because it was about my formation. It was about God doing work in me and in him, actually, uh, and God's work through EH discipleship as a whole, as a, as a, as a parachurch ministry. And to make a long story short, I, I gotten all the blame out. I gotten really clear about what were the things inside of me that I wasn't being honest about or I wasn't clear about taking full responsibility? We had a conversation uh, for an hour and 15 minutes. It was a fantastic conversation. Uh, in the process, God gave me so much clarity about myself, about what he was saying to me, but it was coming out of that that that, that crucible of, 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 in a sense, tension with someone. But actually, this consultant was such a gift to me because he was pulling it out of me. And then a few days Later, I had a board meeting, uh, and I, I, was, I was able to articulate a value for me for the ministry with such conciseness, actually in one or two sentences, and such clarity that really came out of my many hours preparing for my tension and conflict with this consultant. And uh, so, I, of course, I said to him, thank you, and it was all over. It was a gift. All right. So, number five. Let's move on number five, the fifth leadership scorecard for success measurement, and that is this, that I'm investing in a few intentional discipling relationship. I'm investing in a few intentional discipleship, uh, discipling relationships. Now, uh, I got caught up in, uh, once I started pastoring a church uh, and leading and planning churches, you know, I'm preaching sermons, I'm discipling people, I'm, I'm developing uh, strategies for people's discipleship in the church. Uh, I'm doing, you know, it's monthly phone calls or some leadership meetings and uh, I'm, you know, I'm writing blogs or letters or emails, but that's not what I'm talking about here. Uh, I'm talking about Jesus and the 12, that I'm actually investing in a few people just like Jesus. Uh, you know, Luke 6, 12, he, he's very clear. He prayed almighty, chose 12. And if you look at the gospel, he's over and over again, just again, focusing on the few. And I, I like to think of, um, again, concentric circles, who are my 12, and then I've got my 70, and then beyond that. But uh, again, these are usually people you're doing leadership or ministry with. And I learned this as a as a baby Christian uh, in intervarsity as a student. Second uh, Timothy two two, you know, things you've heard and uh, presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men and women who in turn will be able to teach others. It was expected I would disciple other people or mentor a few other people. Even as a one year old Christian, the problem was when I became pastor of a church, I got lost in all the stuff I had to be doing and the preaching of sermons. Uh, and so Jerry and I, even now that we're out of leading a lo our local church, 
uh, we are working on, on, on discipling or investing our lives in a few people globally around the world and around the United States. And that impacts the way I spend my time in terms of speaking, my writing pace, uh, other people's agenda, opportunities and doors that are open. Uh, again, because what appears to be strategic in the big sense, uh, once you start investing in a few intentional discipling relationships, that has to be somewhat limited. It's a whole countercultural upside way, down way of looking at things. All right, let me move on here to number six, uh, sixth measurement of a scorecard for success, which is I'm working on a personal growth and development plan. I'm working on a personal growth and development plan. Not I have one. So I know many people that have a growth and development plan. They just don't live it uh, or work on it. So I've got one. Uh, it's just so easy not to do. We kind of skim. We're, we're not falling apart. So we think, you know, I, I don't need to invest that much time into my own development and growth. Um, and sermon prep does not count for this, although it may overlap a bit. Uh, and uh, because you understand every time you meet with someone, every every time you speak, every time you, you're you with people, energy is going out from you. Life is going out of you. And so I've got to be receiving the love of God. I've got to be taking in. I've got to be growing and maturing myself. So again, that's why you have things like Sabbaths and and sabbaticals. I got to do a, you know, got to do that podcast on how do you structure a sabbatical? Uh, you need days off for unpaid work. But I, it's thinking through what do I need to be growing and developing in Christ? So there's so many things from, of course, reading broadly to seminars for myself and just, uh, you know, the last, you know, couple of months, I, I just wrote down things I've done here. I, I've intentionally met with two of my mentors that I've had for, uh, boy, two decades and the other one, uh, four decades. Uh, and I had phone Zoom meetings with each of them. And uh, I read broadly. I, I make sure I'm reading. Uh, Jerry and I are doing a deep dive in uh, in, in silence and solitude and study where, when, and Zooms we're watching. And stuff. We're, just, we're just growing in that area. And so I, I'm always intentionally, personally growing and developing. And so that to me is, again, how do I measure success? That that's happening in my life? That's a good sign. And then finally this. Uh, my seventh measurement is uh, I'm leading from who I am, not pretending to be someone I am not. I'm leading from who I am, not pretending to be someone I am not. I'm talking about differentiation. That is uh, living out your own unique life, living out my unique life while remaining closely connected to other people. And my, again, it's Jesus. Uh, it's David. Uh, and this takes, it's, you know, G David with all this pressure lived out his unique calling as a king, breaking through uh, into new leadership, new ways of worship, tackling, tackling Goliath. I think of Jesus just breaking, a, you know, bringing in a new wine and new wineskins. But this takes serious work. It takes significant inner work, listening to yourself, listening to the Holy Spirit inside yourself, and it takes great courage to walk it out. You know, for many of my years as a lead pastor, and I was lead pastor for 26 years, I struggled with feeling like a failure uh, because compared to what was at least touted as success around me within uh, the church world, which was mega churches in particular, uh, I like what Eugene Peterson uh, calls it. He calls it ecclesiastical pornography. It's all about numbers. Uh, but the very nature where God had called me uh, and the kind of church he led us in to plant, which was a multiracial church in Queens, New York, just had all kinds of limits around it. I mean, parking alone took a half hour, 45 minutes to get into the church. So to compare ourselves to megachurches uh, with the kind of church we were building uh, with a commitment to the poor, multiracial, where we were living, was was just you always. I always kind of felt like I was failing. Yet I knew I was I was where God wanted me to be and was doing what I was supposed to be doing. 
Uh, but I always kind of felt like I was missing the mark and not doing enough. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, I wish I'd had some spiritual mentors and directors at the time who could have maybe uh, banged me on the head a bit strongly and say, you know, Pete, God's sovereign purposes are triumphing in your apparent defeat. Uh, and that don't don't worry, you're actually winning by losing. Uh, and this is the way God works. Pete and displays his power. I think I would have been a little more comfortable perhaps in my own skin. Uh, perhaps walked in a little a greater contentment day to day. Uh, but again, how are you doing on a scale of one to five? You know, leading from who you are, not pretending to be somebody you're not. Uh, and even now, it's interesting as a as the founder of Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, this ministry. There's a lot of shoulds of what I should be doing, but I continue to meditate on Jesus and the Gospels and how incredibly free He is and differentiated. Uh, he's clear from He's free from popularity and greatness and the world and He's just able to just cut through it all and so content. So I have finished the work, Lord, you have, Father, you've given me to do, you know, John 17, 4. So again, let me just ask you again on a scale of one to five, you know, how, how are you doing? You know, how are you doing on this leadership scorecard for success? And I'll just review all seven of them right now. And, and let me just ask you, where are you on a scale of one to five? One, I'm living healthy rhythms of being with Jesus you know, embracing my God-given limits. Number two, on a scale of one to five, where are you with that? Number two, I'm actively listening to Jesus as I live. Scale of one to five. Number three, I'm giving my best time and energy uh, to a healthy marriage and singleness before leading others. And how's it going on a scale of one to five? Number four, I'm addressing conflict and tensions clearly and directly. Number five, I'm investing in a few intentional discipling relationships. Number six, I'm working a personal growth and development plan. And then number seven, I'm leading from who I am, not pretending to be someone I am not. Now, perhaps God is inviting you to take a few minutes or some time today to be still, to be with Jesus, to be with yourself, and ask yourself, do these seven measurements fit me? Uh, Which ones might I want to delete of the seven that Pete's suggesting here? And what might I want to add to measure success for me? Now, two things as we close. The last podcast, uh, um, I did some leadership case studies. Uh, Again, excellent response. We're going to do another one next month. And so I want to invite you to to send in a case study at emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. That's emotionallyhealthy.org slash case study. And we're going to do it around the topic of power uh, and dual relationships or wise boundaries. The chapter in the leader book, if you want to look at it, but you can make it anonymous, put your name in it, and I may use it as a leadership case study for that a future podcast. But again, for a broad biblical background of what I shared today about you know success and uh, a new scorecard for success, uh, I would encourage you to look at the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship book. And again, some of the background material, it's all free on our website, emotionallyhealthy.org slash discipleship. And you can check out the free videos and free discussion guide and even if you're not ready to read the book, it'll give you some good thoughts to, to come around these seven measurements of a new leadership scorecard for success. So thank you so much. It was so good to be with you today. I pray you have a wonderful day and that uh, you encounter and meet Jesus in everything that comes your way. Blessings. Blessings.